the beguiling tones of Holly Harmon singing The Three Ravens, a track from the first album soon to launch from the Twisted Twenty. This ensemble brings together Baroque string players from all over the globe. Closely intertwining the worlds of Baroque and folk music, this group forges a completely new sound. Holly, co-founder of the ensemble, tells us how a chance hearing of an American folk singer led to the discovery of a wealth of almost totally forgotten music. The way the project started was I heard an old folk song that was sung by an American folk singer, but it didn't sound American. It sounded old English, from an English kind of background. I found out that it was an old broadside ballad, and, um, and that really fascinated me. And I kept thinking, well, I've, I spend a lot of time playing in sessions, in pubs. I played in a Cayley band, and I thought, well, this music has to come from somewhere. So I ended up holding myself up in the British Library and phoning various libraries in Ireland and in Scotland and they were like, oh, check out this collection, check out this collection. And um, it was fascinating to see what came out of that and how you could trace the tunes back to one particular collection. from the Banks of the Forth, which uses as its inspiration a tune from the Caledonian Pocket Companion. This is a collection of Scottish folk songs and arrangements put together and published by James Oswald, and it's from these volumes that the Twisted Twenty found many of the melodies featured on this album. James Oswald was an 18th century cellist, arranger and publisher, so it's entirely appropriate that the group use period Baroque instruments to perform this music. David Rabinovici, violinist in the ensemble, describes how this affects the sound. We're playing on gut strings as opposed to middle strings. For me, it's a much richer sound. Yeah. It might be a bit rougher. There's more body to the sound, especially in the lower strings. The strings are a lot thicker, so you have to give, give more. Also, the bows are a completely different shape. They're much shorter. Yeah, the instruments kind of respond a little bit later than, say, a modern instrument would. We can hear in that beautiful cello solo played by Lucia Capellara the richness of the gut strings David was describing. What is it specifically though that makes Baroque and folk music such a fantastic pairing? Alexis Bennett, violinist in the ensemble, has some thoughts. What the group really does, it's a combination of uh, Baroque sensibilities, sort of historical performance sensibilities, using old instruments, techniques, um, and using the research associated with finding old music, and um, on the other side, giving it uh, a kind of injection of the kind of trad performance style. So much Baroque music is dance-based, and trad music is dance-based, you know, reels and jigs. 
uh, hornpipes, polkas, all these are dances of a kind and so much Baroque music is equally taking dance forms and making music out of them so it seems an obvious thing to do. then do what appear to be simple melodies played by an essentially Baroque ensemble take on such a contemporary sound. Holly explains what decisions the group have to make to turn a single line tune into a complex track. We try and mess around with it as much as we can. What we want the texture to sound like, who plays when, we can't all play at once. Sometimes we do, sometimes we all play in unison because we just really love the tune and we want to keep it simple. Also, we don't write things down. That's also one really, really important thing about our performance is that when we arrange something, it's not we'd go to Sibelius and, and write out all the parts because that then puts our eyes on the page. We really like it to still sound improvised and to still have that sparkle that folk bands use all the time. Sometimes executive decisions are made, sometimes it's a case of really figuring out what works and what doesn't. Some of them we've arranged individually as well. We've sort of said, no, I really like this tune, so therefore I think we should play it like this. I'm a bit of a minimalist fan. There's a, a slip jig that I used. It's like in nine parts. And I thought, oh, maybe we can play all the parts at once and see what happens. And it turns out that it's sort of this multi-layered dance and it sounds really great. And it's a completely free forum for everybody as well. That's what I really love about the group. We heard there the end of the track entitled Three Good Fellows that Holly was describing. Such a simple tune transformed in the hands of the Twisted Twenty into a mesmerising, almost Philip Glass-esque number. Alongside making all the decisions about how to present the melodies, working out the bass line can prove just as tricky as Lucia describes. With the Baroque music you just get a piece of music, you get your notes and you play them and you just play them as beautifully or as uh, appropriately as possible um, and you have the figured bass which helps you know where the strong harmonies are. But with this, if you're lucky, you get a melody but there's not really a bass line that's prescribed in the first place and because it's such an oral tradition, everyone has their own different take on what the harmonies can be. Perhaps one of the most contemporary sounding tracks on this album is Arthur McBride. We've got a really beautiful version of a traditional ballad called Arthur McBride, which is super famous. Bob Dylan sung it, everybody sung it, and Alexis came up with a bright idea of just having an acoustic version. His background is in film composition and electronics and things, so he's put a beautiful sort of electronic vibe on top of it. Alexis Bennett, violinist, tells us a bit more about the story behind this bittersweet track. 
the words of the song, which we're not singing, describe two lads walking along a beach. They get approached by two soldiers. There's a captain and a drummer boy. And the captain tries to persuade them to join the army. Because they're by the beach, I've added electronic sounds of the ocean. I've also added a very low sort of string pad in there. Um, so very, very subtle, but what I've tried to do is add a bit of atmosphere there. Because if you read the lyrics, it's quite a moving anti-war song uh, because it's two normal lads standing up to the state. With the electronics for that, I've tried to give a sense of atmosphere and, and emotion. So as the group prepared to launch their first album, Alexis reflects on how the group has evolved since the beginning. I think it's evolving really nicely because I think at the beginning we wanted it to be just uh, one bunch of people doing one thing and we've involved other people since. And it's gradually becoming more of a collective in the sense of inviting people in to, to collaborate with as we go through. And I think that's a really healthy way of doing it. When you get other musicians in, it really changes the dynamic and really adds things really great. This first album then, from the Twisted Twenty, breathes new life into these traditional 17th and 18th century, often long forgotten tunes. With the sonority of the period instruments and their folk-inspired contemporary arrangements, this ensemble presents a unique sound world. If you'd like to learn more about the group, you can visit their website at thetwisted20.com. And so with a jig, this edition of Breaking Boundaries with me, Rachel Roundtree, draws to a close. Thanks for listening.